0: hi all welcome back to woe is media post memorial day edition Alyssa doesn't have her voice anymore today we're also going to try something new for you guys we're going to alternate storylines so if you're tuning in just for business or just for entertainment too bad you're going to get both and we're going to keep it fresh and funky (laughs) and ready with the punches so annabelle please tell us what you are discussing today
1: that's right, we're switching up the order a little bit. So if you're only here for Alyssa's stories or only here for my stories, I would encourage you to open your mind, but you also know where Amen. the fast forward button is on your phone, so Amen. <laughs> feel free to skip accordingly. Um, so my first story I'm gonna talk about, um, I call it Amazon's lion share of streaming, but because um, they just acquired MGM and their logo <gasps> is the roaring lion. Leo. So we're gonna talk about that acquisition there. And then my second story is about ExxonMobil and how it was basically infiltrated by this small hedge fund that is very concerned with green energy, and um, Exxon is in for a shakeup. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. What about
0: you? Wowee. So my first story is a little dark today. Um... Kevin Spacey has acquired his first film role post sexual misconduct allegations
1: whoa I would have thought he would have
0: been totally blackballed you would think that yes but we're going to get into it don't you worry um and the second one I wanted to end on a lighter note and we're going to talk about a actor that is no longer with us is now being honored at his alma mater
1: oh cool okay so it's
0: fun happiness
1: yes that sounds a little bit more um upbeat than Kevin Spacey
0: yeah screw him
1: (laughs) yeah he's kind of in that club with Army Hammer
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) they they sit at the same table
1: (laughs) table. yeah of uh icky people yeah yeah (laughs) all right we'll get started I hope everybody had a good Memorial Day weekend however you chose to celebrate um hopefully you were able to do something to honor our fallen People who have served this country, um, we're very grateful for that. Alyssa and I have both had family members who have been in the services. We're very grateful for what they've done. Um, Truly. And we hope everyone else is as well. So we hope you guys had a good long weekend. Um, that's why we we're recording on Tuesday, because Alyssa and I, were busy. So
0: True. Yes, <laughs> we're we back are. at it
1: today. <laughs> All right, so Amazon's lion's share of streaming. So Amazon has acquired MGM Studios, the uh, film production company. They acquired them for a whopping $8.45 billion.
0: Be what a billion.
1: Mm-hmm. be with a billion um it is the second biggest acquisition and jeff Bezos' time at amazon so this is a pretty big one if it's number two
0: i keep forgetting he's still there dang
1: well i think i believe it's the end of the year he's leaving so he's Gosh. still got you know about six more months left um, okay because i know he announced it kind of early and everybody was like jeff bezos is leaving <laughs> he's like ah oh, you thought there's still a lot i plan to do before. really
0: I though
1: um but yeah, this is a pretty big plan for sure. Um, it's exciting because once again, we're talking about the streaming wars here. Because Amazon Prime has Prime Video, which obviously has some original content, um, mostly TV shows, a couple of movies, but mostly TV shows, as well as some content from that is licensed from you know other brands like Survivors on there from CBS, personal favorite. Um, a few other good shows are on there as well, um, but it's really lacking in movies. So this is a good acquisition for Amazon because MGM currently has over 4,000 movies and shows in its library. And Amazon now has access to that. Um, Some of the major titles that Amazon now is able to put onto Prime Video are James Bond, that entire franchise, Mm -hmm. uh, the Rocky movies, Legally Blonde, and The The Handmaid's Tale, which is finishing up season four currently airing on Hulu. So I guess moving forward, if they keep making more Handmaid's Tale seasons, it'll get yanked from Hulu and put onto Prime Video. Um, So if you're a fan of that show, you might have to look out for that going forward just to make sure you don't miss anything.
0: That's Um, really interesting too because I I don't know for certain, but is this one of the first times that they've taken like original content from one platform and moved it to another?
1: Certainly for TV shows, it looks like. I mean, MGM, I feel like is mainly known for movies more so than TV they still have a few shows kind of in their library, but Handmaids is definitely like the big blockbuster one, I yes. feel like that a lot of people like. So that's that's probably why this one has been like talked about a little bit more because it is probably one of the first like major shakeups. Um so Amazon has 71 billion on their balance sheet in cash. Wow. What would you do if you had 71 billion in cash?
0: I would not be sitting in this current apartment.
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> here. I would be. I don't know, in a penthouse somewhere. I don't yes. know.
0: <laughs> I would buy uh, many more albums. Yeah.
1: So Amazon's got a whole lot of cash and they really don't have the content talent um, that really any of the other major, major streaming platforms have. So they've been kind of lagging a little bit in the streaming wars. They've been one of the losers so far. Um, so if you have a lot of money and not a lot of skill, instead of just doing it yourself, you just pay someone else to do it for you. Or in this case, you buy another company to do it for you. Yeah. So it looks like in this kind of acquisition, MGM will be kind of retaining all of their talent. There's not gonna really be a lot of changes in terms of like the people because that's why Amazon acquired them was for the library, but also for their content production teams. Um, apparently for this acquisition, Apple was also in the mix, which is interesting. I kind of thought that was an odd choice for Apple to buy, but it does make sense when you think about how they've also been trying to get into the streaming wars with Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus, I should say. Um, that one I feel like is really like even further behind Prime Video. If you were to do like a little chart of like a road race and where all the streaming platforms are, yeah, Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus is like way at the starting line. I yeah. Feel like. They just really don't have a lot of stuff on their platform right now. Um, but they were also in the mix. And Jeff Bezos looked at Tim Cook and said, oh, no, you don't. And he offered 40% more money for MGM than Apple. Wow. Yeah, so he, he basically outbid them. Um, Amazon has also previously tried to buy the entire Sony movie collection, but it obviously lost that out to Netflix and Disney Plus, who currently have a lot of those titles. Um They've also purchased the rights to Thursday night NFL football uh, yeah. that cost them roughly $1 billion a year <laughs> for one game a week for like 17 weeks or so. Yeah. So expensive for sure. Um, but they also were able to spend 205 million on coming to America to the sequel, as well as the Borat sequel. Did you see either of those?
0: No. Um I enjoyed both movies in their infancy and in their original forms, but I did not have enough like interest to follow up with the sequels.
1: Yeah, that's how I felt about it. It's I don't know. I I Borat was I I didn't really care for coming to America. <gasps> was... You did. I like the it was original, like the the story, but I don't know. Prince
0: Akeem from Zamunda.
1: Yeah, I I don't know why. It just, it didn't resonate with me. Maybe because I'm not from Queens. I don't know, but. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so they spent a lot of money on those two movies, 205 million in total. So they've been very interested in kind of beefing up Prime Video and the content that they've been offering because I didn't realize this, but Prime memberships, they've been around for 15 years now. Wow. So, yeah, I didn't realize that either. But they've very much been a cash cow for Amazon because people are just, you know, annually renewing them. Um, but after a certain point, people need to be enticed to stay with Prime or they need to be enticed to, you know, bring in new customers. So Prime Video is kind of how they think they're going to do that. Um, so that's another reason why they decided to acquire MGM. They're just trying to, you know, seduce new subscribers and keep people on the hook, basically. Um, so Amazon claims that this is not about trying to beat Disney plus or beat Netflix. Sure, Dan. Yeah, right. But (laughs) I don't know. It does seem like they're just trying to further consolidate the streaming platforms because the competition has gotten so intense. So I'm not sure if I 100% buy that. Um, I mean, it'll definitely increase competition with existing leaders. It seems kind of like the big four going forward for streaming will be Netflix, whatever the name of the new... Discovery, HBO Max will be a Prime Video and then Disney slash Hulu. So this will probably be the big four, as we said, Apple TV Plus, peddling in the back starting line. So we'll see if they kind of get into any more acquisitions there. Um, But we'll have to see what happens. Um, What I am confused about with this. Tell me. Is Amazon is pretty hated by a lot of congress especially the progressive representatives and senators in congress and they think amazon has way too much power and way too much money um
0: i mean you know 71
1: billion in cash on the balance sheet um which is only a very small portion of a company's balance sheet by the way so i don't understand how regulatory speaking this is gonna go through like I understand, it doesn't really impact much of their shipping business because it's not a direct. It's not like they bought up, like UPS or FedEx or something like that, or a smaller like local shipping company. It's like completely different because it's a movie production. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: part of the reason they're doing it is to entice more people to get Prime memberships, which in turn helps the shipping part of their business so i don't know it'll be interesting to see if this goes under scrutiny or not just because that's obviously a big acquisition and it's like the big get bigger
0: they do but the bigger they are the harder they fall
1: yeah but it gets to a point (laughs) where they can be like too big to fail that's what happened with so many of the major wall street banks during 2008 they were so big that you know the american government had to bail them out and it's obviously different because it's a bank and not e-commerce shipping prime video company but I don't know I I have my doubts I'm sure it'll probably go through um I feel like there's bigger fish to fry than this in terms of congress but we'll see um it seems like the MGM team is going to stay on board like I said because they're obviously the ones with all the talent and the experience and the expertise for designing and creating movies and shows it also seems like there's probably going to be a lot of spinoffs as you've kind of discussed in your entertainment stuff because if you have like so many iconic movies like Bond and Rocky why recreate the wheel you know people will probably watch spinoff shows which lame but you know that seems to be the party line in Hollywood is let's just spin off and reboot and expand and all that so
0: absolutely And I can't claim to be outside of that realm either because when HBO Max first launched, they had something about like a Grease TV show and I was all about it. Still have yet to hear any more about that project. Still waiting, (laughs) but yeah, not exempt.
1: (laughs) Definitely a trend right now. Um, But the movie selection on Prime was pretty thin unless you wanted to rent it. Like a lot, there was only so much that was actually included in Prime and it was like, oh, $3.99 and you're like,
0: why Never mind. Is this on here? I
1: don't pay three ninety nine. I want to mm-hmm. just watch it. Um, and the
0: things that they did have were so like random, like weird yeah. finds. Like it was great when you could find it, but then like once they got rid of it, it was like, oh well.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a little odd. Um, but based on like the the current consumer data we have for streaming services, the average streaming subscriber pays for four services. <laughs> So with the consolidation going forward, maybe it'll just be the big four, or maybe if you have like a niche one for a certain type of, you know, content that you can't really get anywhere else, that could be an exception. Four seems like a lot to me. Um, I I don't currently pay for any because I just have access to someone else's account. Dang, girl. Like my sister's ex-boyfriend. Yeah, that's,
0: (laughs) I use his Hulu. (laughs) Wow um i currently i pay for three and i have access to my brother's disney plus account i'm counting disney plus and hulu separately for the Mm -hmm. time being but yeah all the rest i know my my parents pay for netflix but we all share it so technically i'm only paying for two gotcha
1: which two do you have
0: hulu and hbo max
1: hbo max nice yes so average subscriber pays for four services and 82% of US consumers pay for at least one. And then the rest of us are freeloading. So,
0: <laughs> so speak I mean, which I might need to get that Paramount Plus uh, username and password because for some reason RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars decided to go Paramount Plus only this year. Uh oh, no. <laughs> so if you can help a sister out.
1: <laughs> I got you. Um But yeah that's pretty much all i have on this story it kind of makes sense like given that data that they're trying to get more into the streaming wars and potentially be one of those big four that people are paying for so hopefully this will entice people to join prime video if you're not already on there um and if you don't like amazon don't get a prime membership
0: just avoid them Mm -hmm. as best you can as
1: as hard as it may be
0: (laughs) as you really though because everywhere you turn Everywhere you look. Okay. Alrighty. So I would like you all to join me on this not so fun journey at first, but I promise later on, it's going to be more fun. So it has been announced that Kevin Spacey has been cast in his first movie role since 2017. When allegations of sexual misconduct arose against him, he has been cast in Luomo, disegnò Dios, which translates in Italian to the man who drew God. Mm-hmm. The producer is Louis Nero, who has a very expansive career in film. When asked about you know the controversies surrounding Mr. Spacey, uh, Nero said, quote, "We don't speak about what we don't know about.
1: But we do know.
0: It, yeah, it's 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 hard because it's like obviously none of us were in the room where it happened, but basically yeah. I read a. I knew, yeah, right. That's what I was going for. Thank you for catching it up. Uh, <laughs> sure. Um, but basically he had a a larger statement um released, and basically he was just saying you know like that happened in America. We live in Italy. We don't know everything, which fair, but also yep. region news like. <laughs> sorry about it you
1: don't know what happened like just because it didn't happen on italian soil doesn't mean it didn't happen absolutely
0: not yeah exactly that's how i felt too so we're gonna go back to the year 2017 when the sexual misconduct allegations began against mr spacey multiple men including actor anthony rapp alleged that spacey was very sexually inappropriate with them um, rap details that he was 14 at the time of the alleged misconduct and spacey was 26
1: yes so rap was very much a minor
0: yes and i don't know if you're familiar with anthony rap do you know who he is
1: was he on broadway at one point
0: yes he was baby was he charlie brown on broadway i think you're right i think you're right I'm, I'm
1: pretty i used to listen to the soundtrack for your good man, Charlie Brown. And if I had, I would read the lyrics and I'm pretty sure he was cast as Charlie Brown. I'm looking it up now. I
0: He's think gonna- you're right because now the, the song the doctor is in is currently playing in my head and it sounds like his voice. So let's, as Annabelle looks that up I'm gonna continue really quick. Um, the most well-known reason that I know Anthony Rapp was um, my best friend in middle and high school was obsessed with the musical Rent. And Anthony Rapp actually originated the role, I believe, of Mark in Rent. And he also was featured in the live-action movie adaptation of Mm -hmm. Rent. He also starred in Adventures in Babysitting from the 80s. And he was featured in a smaller role in the film Dazed and Confused, which is a phenomenal film if no one's seen it. Um, So after Anthony Rapp came forward with these allegations... Um, 15 more men voiced similar complaints against Spacey, um, none of which have led to criminal prosecution. Um, this, this is a little sad, so trigger warning. Um, one volu- one was voluntarily dismissed due to the accuser's unavailability, like he just could not show up for court. It clashed with his schedule. And two were closed in 2019 due to the accuser's debts. Now, I did not do further research into that, and I cannot say for certain that their deaths were in fact a result of the abuse that they faced at the hands of Mr. Spacey, the alleged abuse, Um, but in a lot of cases like this when the accused has a huge background behind them and a lot of people backing them, it's it's very hard to continue on knowing that they're always going to be present in, in your day-to-day life. Um, Once again, I do not know for certain if that was the case in these young men's lives, but um, I wish their families all the best regardless. Yeah, So
1: absolutely. That's such a traumatic thing Mm -hmm. to go through, like not getting any sort of like justice Mm -hmm. legally or ethically or personally speaking. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I can't imagine. And I I certainly hope that was not, you know, the cause of their passing. But Mm -hmm. if it was, like you said, condolences to the families.
0: Always. Um, Now, Kevin Spacey has maintained his innocence throughout this ordeal. And he actually used this I don't want to call it an opportunity, but this happening to come out publicly. And I, for one, thought that was in such poor taste because once again, it's linking the idea that all homosexual men are predators. Right. And that is simply not the case. And there's a very specific difference between homosexuality and pedophilia. Those are two separate things. Yeah. They do not, they're not, they're not together.
1: They're not correlated. Um, No,
0: no, not at all. I'm sorry this is so deep and dark, but now we're going to get into what this film is currently going to be about. So the last film that Spacey was involved in uh, came out in 2018. It was The Billionaire Boys Club, which aside from him being in it, it was not good and not well received. Um, But since it came out in 2018, it was filmed in 2017, most likely. So the, the logistics of it all. So The Man Who Drew God is based on the true story of a blind man that has the gift of drawing portraits by hearing people's voices. And it's set in 1950s Italy. Um, I believe this man with visual impairments works with the police to, you know, mm-hmm. identify like suspects in crimes. And the producer and the director have dispelled rumors that this film is about pedophilia because there was an initial rumor going around about this film saying that kevin spacey would be playing a police officer who was trying to like break into a pedophilia ring like break it up and that's not true from what we've been told he is playing a police officer um and it seems to be that he is in a smaller role like he's not the main guy in this film okay The lead role will be played by Frankel Nero, no relation to the producer, Louis Nero, and it is also directed by the lead actor. Cool, okay. Yeah, um, filming has already begun in Turin, Italy, which is where Louis Nero is from. Uh, Spacey has not been seen on set yet. uh, And this is based on Wednesday, because obviously we gathered these um, stories from last week and now we're just reporting them to you now. But so far, he has yet to be seen on set. Um, Nero is hoping that editing will be complete by September of this year, which he is hoping for a tentative release date of October 5th, which is the day before my birthday. How dare you put it anywhere close to that? I'm offended. (laughs) Um, And also a fun fact that I did not know about until I read this lovely um, Entertainment Weekly article. Franco Nero, who is the guy that's starring in the movie, his wife is Vanessa Redgrave. Okay. Do you know who she is? Do enlighten me. Okay, so she is a fantastic actress. She has been in a number of amazing roles. She's British. Um, most well known, she she worked a lot with Tennessee Williams back in um, like the golden age of Hollywood and that mm-hmm. era. She was she has done a lot of work in Shakespeare. She has appeared in. Um, The Tony award-winning revival of Long Day's Journey into Night, Driving Miss Daisy. She was in Behind the Mask. Um, She is, I believe she's been nominated for six Academy Award nominations throughout her career. Mary Queen of Scots, The Bostonians, Camelot. That was where she met her husband. Murder on the Orient Express, the original one from 1974, not the kenneth Branagh version mission mm-hmm. impossible she was in atonement the butler uh i'm pretty sure she was in Foxcatcher.
1: i'm looking mm-hmm. at her filmography right now i've seen a few of these um driving miss daisy mm-hmm. i feel like it's one of the more iconic ones yes
0: <laughs> that
1: she's got so that's that's pretty cool that she was and so set- she's guinevere and camelot mm-hmm like you said Mary Queen of Scots she was Mary Queen of Scots
0: <laughs> let's see what else is she in here she was in Foxcatcher that's like the most recent movie that kind that would ring a bell to anyone watching or listening not watching
1: Mission um, Impossible Mrs. Dalloway mm-hmm.
0: very nice yeah she's yeah. got
1: quite quite a track record
0: here she's, awesome. she's- She's one of those actresses that in like my opinion need like needs to be well, more well known in like current culture like obviously she's gotten her due in like the 90s and 80s 70s all the way back but I feel like she's kind of fell out of the spotlight and that may just be because she's done she's tired she's an older lady mm-hmm. um she's seasoned but she's fantastic and she's highly talented so we love
1: yeah, I have to wonder if maybe it's just because we're in the States and if she's British, maybe sometimes depending on the movies that you're in, some British actors and actresses don't always like get the same recognition over here.
0: Absolutely. Yes. That, is, that may well be why we don't know as much about her. But anyways, sorry. All that to say that she has been rumored to cameo in this film, but that is has been dispelled by a representative as of now. And like I said, the last thing I have is a tentative October 5th release date in 2021, not 2022. So they're trying to like crank this baby out real quick. Um, I don't have any plans to see this film, not just because of Kevin Spacey and his disgusting behavior, but also it just doesn't seem like the type of film that I'd really be interested in. And yeah. that's no shade to Frank O'Neill. Um, I do wish he had a little bit better judge of character and, you know, read the news a little bit more before deciding who you're going to cast in your movies.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe he's trying to give him a chance at redemption and the fact that he's putting him in more of a supporting role instead of a lead role, I don't know if that makes it any less offensive to Mm -hmm. Kevin Spacey's victims but I can't really imagine it would (laughs) exactly that much of a difference. I don't know. Um, This is not a good analogy, but bear with me. It's kind of like when basketball players can't make it into the NBA. So they go overseas.
0: Okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking about.
1: Skills and their reputation there. And a lot of times NBA teams will draft guys from other countries who have played in leagues Mm -hmm. overseas it's just kind of a way to get your confidence up and your skill level and get more reps under your belt because not everyone is ready for the MBA straight out of college. No. So, and obviously getting your skill level up is different than trying to like escape the bad publicity you've received from crimes you've potentially committed or have committed.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. But
1: that's kind of what it seems. He's like, it's not working here. So let me go to Europe and give mm-hmm. that a try. <laughs> I
0: mean, I, I smell what you're stepping in. I get you. It it does suck. I promise I'm almost done with this story. It does suck because objectively speaking, despite him being a potentially terrible human being, he is talented. He's a good actor. Yeah. Like the amount of films that I can just name off the top of my head that he just acted his booty off in, like the usual suspects, American Beauty, Baby Driver, uh, House of Cards even, that's not a movie, but a wonderful television show that was marred by his existence. So yeah, I don't plan on seeing this movie. I personally do not have any plans to accept his quote unquote apologies. Um, I'm fine with leaving him in 2017.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. If it's an Italian movie, I have to wonder how big of a release it'll have like outside of the EU. Um,
0: exactly. If there's,
1: if there's much commercial success with it here, I would be kind of surprised just because it like you said, it doesn't seem like something you'd be that interested in. But I feel like most American movie viewers would agree with you. I, I can't imagine that'd be super popular. Yep. So We'll we'll see. Um yeah, I'm I'm kinda on the same train as you. I don't really need to see him stage come back. <laughs> all right, is that all you got for us on Kevin Spacey?
0: Yes, ma'am.
1: Alrighty. So my next story is called Exxon, the tribe is spoken.
0: <gasps>
1: Jeff so Post, just- is that you? <laughs> I had to do a survivor reference. But so basically what happened, so ExxonMobil, one of the world's largest oil drilling companies they have a board of directors who has just received public retribution for not being green or environmentally friendly enough
0: water is wet
1: yeah right and oil and gas (laughs) environmentally friendly who would have thought um but this all started because one activist investor decided to call out exxon about a month ago and be like look exxon The world's heating up here. You have no change or you have no strategy for climate change. And you've just been further investing in oil and gas. And you're not looking anything into more sustainable energy types like wind or water or solar, nothing like that. And they called them out. Um, And this activist investor is a little hedge fund that could called engine number one.
0: Is it really called that?
1: Literally called engine number one. Oh,
0: my gosh
1: they're a small hedge fund. um, And what they decided to do was really take on Exxon. They were like, this is crap. You can't do this. We don't want you to do this. We're going to try and shake things up here. So they were able to buy enough shares of stock to kind of be able to rock the boat at Exxon. So an activist investor is somebody who has very strong opinions about how companies are managed and they think that they can do things better. And they usually have a lot of money. So they can kind of go in and actually either buy a bunch of shares so they have more voting rights because in corporations, the voting for what happens on the board is proportional to how many shares you own. So the more shares you own, the more power you have. Okay. So if you have the money to do so, you can buy up as many shares as possible. That will get you more and more votes. And then you'll have you know more power with what goes on at the board of directors. Um, So that's kind of what they did. They were able to buy up a good amount of Exxon shares to kind of accumulate more power. Um, And they publicly called them out for stopping, basically, they were resisting climate change. They've, like, not been embracing green energy. Exxon has very much, like, lobbied against green energy. They've put out counter science about climate change, basically saying, you know, it's not not really that big of a deal. They've been trying to kind of brush away all of the actual climate science under the rug. They've really just not, they're not about it. So, and engine number one is very much a hedge fund that's interested in the energy sector and they're interested in the green energy prospects. So that's kind of why they decided to take this on. Um, So what happened here was the hedge fund, they acquired 0.02% of ExxonMobil's, stocks which is really not that much it sounds like a lot well not really but that's a small percentage (laughs) but when you think of the millions of shares that are trading that's that's a pretty sizable amount of shares yeah but it was in no way the majority that would be needed to vote exxon board members who supported oil and gas off the board so they only had 0.02 percent of exxon shares at the time of the vote And they needed 49.98% of other shareholders to kind of back them up on this and be like, no, we're going to put board members on this board of directors who are also in favor of green energy and will set like a carbon emissions goal. And like, when are we going to be carbon neutral by and all that? Um, So this little engine that could, engine number one, (laughs) they were actually successful. They put up four different nominees for the board of directors that are a lot more interested in the renewable energy sector. Um, They got two of the four elected to the board.
0: So that's pretty
1: exciting. So Exxon has lost like a couple of their existing board of directors. Um, And I probably should explain this from the top, so excuse me. But what's interesting about corporations is that the managers are extremely different from the owners. So the owners if this is a publicly traded company which a lot of the major juggernauts in this country are if it's publicly traded company the management team is a lot of the times put there because of the board of directors and the board of directors is elected by the shareholders so if you're an activist shareholder you're going to go in and try and rally the troops and lobby and buy more shares to get more power and do what you want to do to put who you want on that board So the board does in turn get stuff done with the management of the company. So it's kind of like a trickle down effect a little bit. Um, Like the owners control the board, the board controls the company, the company controls their business. Yes. So, but yeah, that's what happened. Um, And it was kind of exciting that they were able to, they were the ones publicly outing Exxon for not being energy friendly. And they really, in theory, did not have, the votes or the power to kind of get this overturned, but they pulled off the upset here and they were able to get those two people on the board. Um, but what this really kind of comes down to um, is there's a company called BlackRock. Have you heard of them?
0: I have not, inform me of them, please.
1: So if you're not you know, actively investing or if you're not working in the finance sector, you, you probably aren't super familiar with BlackRock. They're kind of one of those behind the scenes Companies that has a lot going on, but, you know, not really something that's in the news much.
0: She said, Uh, you probably never heard of
1: them. (laughs) No, I I was trying to justify the fact that, you know, not everybody, they're not, I don't know.
0: (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. I do not know anything about them.
1: They're an investment management corporation and they have, um, like, trillions in management. Oh, Oh, with a T? With a T, yeah. And because they have so much money, they're invested in a lot of companies. Give me your money. Give me your money. So they have a lot of voting power on a lot of corporations. Yeah. Um, and BlackRock, their CEO is actually super interested in green energy. He, their CEO, Larry Fink, has promised to exit all high carbon emissions investments oh. He wants all companies that BlackRock invests in to be carbon neutral by at least 2050. And he they roughly own about 6.7% of Exxon shares, BlackRock does. So they all cast their votes for those board members who are going to be more environmentally friendly. So yeah. BlackRock is like a really big player here because they have 8.67 trillion assets under management. So if you have that much money... What you want will probably get done because you have so much power voting on these boards. What's kind of cool about this is like corporations in a way are kind of like the purest form of democracy because you can directly vote on who goes to the board. And, you know, a lot of people, if you're just kind of invested in mutual funds or index funds or something like that, a lot of times you just sign away your rights to vote and you vote by proxy, basically meaning someone else cast the vote for you. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these more active investors like engine number one and like BlackRock, they are actually the ones casting the ballots. Um, and these shareholder meetings that they're having when they are potentially putting new people up on the board, they're kind of like elections or referendums. So it's you know an opportunity to actually get the change going. Um, so the power of voting in theory, like really matters in business um what's kind of cool is this is the first credible activist investor campaign against exxon it's mm-hmm. the first time anything's ever happened it's really the first time a little guy has taken on the big guy and won it's kind of a Ooh. business versus goliath story so like
0: that was pretty
1: cool. yeah and um, <laughs> exxon's kind of fallen recently and in the last few years like at one point it was the biggest publicly traded company in the u.s um but, you know, it's they have a new CEO who he took over in 2017 when Rex Tillerson left to go work for the Trump administration. Rex, Tillerson Oh, my used- gosh.
0: Remember Rex Tillerson?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he used to be the Exxon CEO. Um, but a new dude named Darren Woods has taken over and he's got no interest in green energy um he's been kind of a lifer at Exxon he's worked there for decades of his career and he's been a huge supporter and advocate for oil and gas so he's kind of been like entrenched in that whole oil and gas traditional mentality okay um but that's kind of why we have these activist investor campaigns because they want to shake things up they want to get the entrenched people out of there they want to basically say like Just because you've always done it this way doesn't mean it's the right way. And a lot of these activist investors who are interested in green energy, I'm not trying to make them out to be saints because they're not just interested in saving the planet. They're interested in making money saving the planet. And they basically think that this is where the world is going. This is where all the profit is going to be going forward. It's smart business to invest in it now rather than later when it gets more expensive. And yeah, they just think that's the best opportunity for their investors to make money with them. Mm-hmm. So, it's not necessarily like these people are tree huggers. They're really just kind of betting on the decline in oil and gas. Um short little background on engine number 1. It was it's a very new hedge fund. It was conceived in 2020 by Chris James um and he's basically always wanted to take on Exxon. This has been his goal pretty much from day one of founding his company. So
0: we love a business that started in the hell year.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was pretty great. I will say, um, he, uh, he had some chutzpah to do that, but Truly. it ended up working out for him since they got some other people on the board. Um, <laughs> but like, what I think is cool about this is whether these people are actually tree huggers or whether or not they just want to make money off of green energy. It is ultimately more beneficial for the planet which is a positive thing because um, I've said it before and I'll say it again, but we only get one planet unless we move to the moon.
0: So. Heck yeah. Um, this we is didn't come best- here to make best buddies. We came here to be America's next top model.
1: How did I know that was coming?
0: Because <laughs> I'm <laughs> you and you are me. <laughs> um,
1: this is also kind of cool because it's like a, I don't want to say it, it's a workaround, but it's sort of a workaround of... Um, congress so if you can change business then you don't necessarily have to get the government involved because you know business also controls a lot of money yeah um climate change is kind of one of those polarizing issues in congress and in the white house where people have very divided issues on it and there's not a lot that's ever gotten passed between the two houses as long as there's you know separate control and right now there's you know the Democrats have control of both houses, but it's still like very close. And there's very slim majorities in both party in both houses, so it's kind of hard to get anything done legislatively speaking. So how do you go about that? Changing things still, then you go through business. So it's kind of cool um, that these activist campaigns can cause major shakeups, and they're kind of an important way to guide the American economy um, and prioritize that parts of businesses can really like direct trends and where everybody and where the American economy needs to go. So yeah, um, that's pretty much all I have on this one. I think it's pretty cool. I'm always for green energy. Um, and uh, there there is a lot you can do as an individual consumer, obviously to help reduce your carbon footprint, but we all know that the major guilty parties in America's carbon emissions are major corporations, a lot of them being oil and gas companies. So ain't nothing wrong with this, in my opinion.
0: Not at all. And like speaking from the oil and gas capital of the United States,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I love this idea because so much of the Texas's economy is based around oil and gas. Like obviously ExxonMobil like got started here and my brother has worked with oil and gas before. So I can't, I have not necessarily direct correlation, but I'm like kind of familiar with it. And my brother is very like pro climate change and like wants to make things happen. But at the same time, you know, a paycheck's a paycheck. Right. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And I'm glad that like, there are people in these like higher up positions that are willing to talk about it and give it a chance. Cause sometimes it does feel like, Everybody that's in charge thinks it's a myth created by the Chinese government.
1: Or they just think it's someone else's problem down the road. Like, they don't want to deal with it. They just that. fire and walk away with their comp package.
0: Very that. Yes, ma'am.
1: So, but, you know, it's not tomorrow's problem. It's today's problem. And Absolutely. You know, you got to attack it with alacrity, so.
0: We should have been listening to Greta Thunberg. I know it. I know it. All right,
1: that's all I got on Exxon. The tribe has spoken. Their entrenched board members have been voted out, or at
0: least two of them have. Is Jeff Probst now going to come out shirtless for us?
1: Do you want me to bring him?
0: Out, <laughs> okay. Uh, inside joke. Annabelle owns like one of those candles that's meant to resemble a religious candle, but it's actually a shirtless Jeff Probst, and it's my favorite thing that she owns it's literally it's, the it's quite funny it's the greatest object i've ever seen in my entire life but no I you don't really have to go good. get him huh? he's, um,
1: it's a saint jeff and he he has a torch and he's like in a little towel That's what he's got on the bottom he's got nothing up top and he's like puffing his chest out And
0: it's very hotty toddy like yeah, was, i might have to post a picture of him on um my instagram for the promotables for say what I'll send you one for your birthday. Oh, thank gosh. I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, uh, Miss Annabelle here celebrated her birthday on Saturday. So if you haven't already wished her a happy birthday, you better get on it. Or else I'm going to come see you at your door <laughs> with my Jeff Prose candle and say some things that aren't well, listen, nice. don't scare them. No, you deserve happy birthday wishes. Don't scare the listeners. I can't help that I'm just passionate about my best friend and my wife, okay? Sorry about I, well, I appreciate it, babe. I Sorry like about it. it. Okay. So this next story is much happier and lighthearted than uh, my previous one. On Wednesday, Howard University announced its plan to rename their newly revived College of Fine Arts after alumnus Chadwick Bozeman.
1: Aw. I don't think I knew he went there.
0: Oh, don't worry. I'll get into it. I love uh, one of my favorite things um, when I'm listening to a story that involves like this person went to this school or this person was in this profession or stuff like that. I love looking up like other people that went to the college and whatnot. So we'll get into it at the very end of the story. So don't you worry. So... (sighs) Howard University actually just reestablished um, their College of Fine Arts as an independent entity. In 1997, when he was a student, Chadwick Bozeman led a protest against the university's decision to incorporate the College of Fine Arts into the larger College of Arts and Sciences. And this is all according to a Washington Post article that I read. Thank you so much for all of your wonderful reporting. We dig it. In 2018, Howard announced the reestablishment of the College of Fine Arts as its own thing. You know, they went and did the group activity for a second, and then they realized they were better as a solo piece and went off and did that damn thing. And we loved them <laughs> for it. it. Um, this is actually the same year that Bozeman returned as a commencement speaker at graduation. Very nice. And he did the little Wakanda pose, and it was amazing. And we, lo- I love Chadwick Bozeman. I cried the night that. Things happen um after his tragic unexpected death 50,000 people signed an online petition to rename the college of fine arts after him because of obviously everything that he did in his like very short but very illustrious career like I remember the first film that I went to see him in um, it was forty two. It was the story of Jackie Robinson.
1: I saw that one. That was a good movie.
0: Such a fantastic film, and it's very funny because in the beginning of his like mainstream Hollywood career, I always referred to him as the biopic guy, because he was Jackie Robinson, he was James Brown, he was Thurgood Marshall, like he was all these like highly iconic, you know, figures in history. So I just referred to him as the biopic guy and that's no shade to him he did fantastic in all of those roles and i was a very big fan of all of those films so earlier this year actress felicia rashad was announced as the dean of the college of fine arts now annabelle do you know who felicia rashad is i've definitely
1: heard of her but i'm having trouble thinking of
0: what she does So Felicia Rashad is most well-known as Dr. Claire Huxtable on The Cosby Show. And we're not going to talk about that other man involved in the show, but she, to me, I watched The Cosby Show a lot as a child and there is something so elegant about Felicia Rashad and the way she carries herself that when I read her name, I just, like, I kind of clutched my pearls a little bit. I was like, oh. Yes. Amazing. This is kind of a short story, but I wanted to highlight it anyways, because I think it's so fantastic about the renaming of the College of Fine Arts. Chadwick Bozeman's widow, Simone Ledward Bozeman, said, quote, Chad was a very proud bison. Both Howard and Miss Rashad played integral roles in his journey as an artist. The reestablishment of the College of Fine Arts brings this part of his story full circle. And ensures that his legacy will continue to inspire young storytellers for years to come. Mm -hmm. And it went on in the article to say that while she was working at Howard initially, Felicia Rashad did act as a mentor to Chadwick Boseman. Which, it's always so cool to me personally to think about, you know, these famous people interacting with each other. Like before they really become famous or in the middle of their journey. And it's just... I don't know, there's something about it that just puts a smile on my face and I really enjoy it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I like the idea of that too. You never think about, I don't know, famous people being mentored mm-hmm. because they're already famous and successful. Why do they need a mentor? But like everyone could benefit from that. And there's always gonna be somebody with a little bit more experience than you. Um, and it's really cool that, you know, he was able to get his mentorship from a woman.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, like, Absolutely. So like,
1: That's not super common where you see a woman mentor and a man mentee. Um, I, I mean, they're obviously both very, very treasured actors with a good body of work. And that's, that's cool that they had a relationship like that. Yeah.
0: So, Okay. So now we're going to get into notable Howard alumni. Obviously, a lot of you may know, but some of you may not. Howard is a historically black college in Washington, D.C., and I've known about them as like a birthplace of excellence for a very long time because I'm known about like a lot of famous people that have come and gone through Howard. But I didn't know all of these people technically in just, just thinking about them all in this one space at one point in time just like blows my mind mm-hmm. because I don't know, it just does. Like, obviously UGA had like some, some names, you know, every now and then, but like nothing to this level, like no offense to UGA, we love you, go dogs. Okay, first of all, we have the Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, mm-hmm. as mentioned before. We have the current Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris. Oh, yes. U.S. Representative Elijah Cummings. Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist, Toni Morrison. Mm -hmm. Song of Solomon. Amen. Beloved man. Author and anthropologist, Zora Neale Hurston. Mm -hmm. Actress, Taraji P. Henson. And... Last but not least, definitely not least, in my opinion, the most important, masked singer host Nick Cannon. <laughs> we love Nick Cannon. <laughs> I thought you would enjoy that. I do like that. That's fine. Obviously, his influence is overflowing, but you know, some of these other people. This, this is a big deal. But yeah, I just thought that was so cool to think about some of these people. Obviously, I don't have all of their you know, graduation dates, but just to think about it, just these people interacting on a college campus and just not knowing how influential they're gonna become in later years. And just to, just to think about a college being named after someone who passed away so tragically and so suddenly, not really suddenly, but to us, the outsiders suddenly last year and is already seeing his influence carry so much i think is just so cool because most of you know college buildings these days are named after individuals that have long since passed right and yes he is not with us anymore but it's so cool to be able to see it just not immediate but so quickly
1: yeah Um, I think so too it's always impressive when people don't necessarily need a lot of time to build up a very strong legacy
0: absolutely Um, and oops sorry I'm
1: glad he's getting the credit he deserves
0: yes and it's it's not funny but it's ironic because I remember like when Black Panther first came out and every single red carpet that he would go to even unrelated to black Panther, you know, everybody's out here like, Oh, Chadwick, Wakanda forever. And he always looked so over it. Like in the press photos, like his eyes were saggy and droopy and he had no emotion behind it. He was like, yeah, Wakanda forever. And we, we kind of mocked him at the time because we're like, man, this poor man is so over this gig. Like he is ready to sign the check and leave not knowing that he was in the middle of one of the most painful and most hard battles of any lifetime.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And it just goes to show, you know, how. like I know a lot of people don't understand it because you know you may not fall into the category that's being represented for Black Panther, but that film just changed the game. It did so much for so many people and it made you realize that representation matters so much
1: yeah especially major blockbuster films and and absolutely marvel films no less which have millions and millions of viewers
0: yes and it just makes me really happy so i just wanted to end on a happy note this week yeah that was a good mix of stories thank you i like yours as well
1: thank you thank you Mm -hmm. So we will be back this weekend. Um, Thank you for being patient with us, for getting this up today with um, Memorial Day. We, Alyssa had some friends in town and I had my birthday and was in no condition to record a podcast. But thank you guys for listening. Alyssa, you got anything else before we take it away?
0: I'm really excited about Pride Month, guys. Today is the first day. And as a part of the celebration of Pride Month, I have a series that I'm going to incorporate into part of my stories for each week. And I'm just really excited to share with you guys because I haven't even told Annabelle really what's going on other than the like blanket statement of Pride Project. So,
1: So this will be new to me too, but we're super excited. Today is June 1st, 2021. So officially kicking off Pride Month. We are so excited to share this with all of our LGBTQIA plus members who listen to this podcast and our friends who don't listen to this podcast. We're members yeah. of that community as well.
0: Heck yeah. Love is love. Trans lives matter. Woo. Woo.
1: Absolutely. Love is love. Love wins. Trans lives matter. So. Absolutely. We'll be back with a new fresh slate of stories next week. Um, our email is in the episode descriptions and in the, um, the show description. So if you guys have any feedback for us or if you want to give us a shout, just talk to us. Definitely hit us up at our Gmail there. We'd love to hear from you guys. But thank absolutely.
0: you so I'm absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Have a good week, everybody.
0: Yay.